everyone. Welcome back to Not My Circle, a conversation series where I chat with people that are not in my normal circle. If you guys are enjoying this series, I would love if you could give it a review, a rating on Apple Podcasts, or if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe, give it a little thumbs up so I know you're enjoying it. Um, today, I am talking to a mortician, and she's not at all what you would expect. I'm so excited for you guys to meet Savannah. Hi, Savannah. Hi. <laughs> um, what'd you have for breakfast today? Today I had coffee. That's it. Very boring. <laughs> all right. All right. No, I actually, that's all I've had today too. So, and I'm getting hungry. I might not be hungry after this conversation, but um, let's get into it. You are a mortician. What Correct. does that mean? What do you do? Um, so I am a licensed funeral director and apprentice embalmer. So I um, start from meeting with the family all the way to embalming their loved one. Um, so I do everything in between. So I'll do legal paperwork. I'll direct the funeral. And then I will also, like I said, casket dress, cost the dyes um, and embalm them as well. So I do do it all. Okay. I got in my mind, when I think about somebody who is a mortician or a funeral director, I think that it's a family business and something that your parents did, your grandparents did. How did you get into this? Is it a family business for you or what's, what's the deal? So um, it's not a family business for me. I'm first generation um, death care industry, as they say, um, you're correct in thinking that there's a lot of um, family owned businesses that will pass it down to their children and generations. Um, I personally, um, as a child, was just kind of interested in like Egypt and mummies and that kind of thing. But I didn't know, I wouldn't say death specifically, just kind of like, I don't know, morbid curiosity, I suppose. Um, and my dad, he was a police officer, so he kind of, you know, would bring home stories in a way and I'd be like, Hmm, interesting. Like that's weird. Um, and cause he worked closely with the coroner, the medical examiner. So that's where he would like tell me things. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if I could do that. So in high school, he got me a private tour of the medical examiner's office um, so I got to see an autopsy and they walked me through, you know, what they do, um, the forensics lab, um, where they keep the bodies, the cooler I actually saw my first dead body, um, there at 18. So, um, I don't know. And I was, I was fascinated. I found it interesting. I wasn't scared or I don't know. I just, it was, I was like, wow, this is a different, unique way that you can help families find closure. And, you know, it, it, that's what it was for me. It wasn't like, ooh, death. It was like, wow, this is like the other side of what happens after people, you know, you can't help them type of thing. How many people, how many funerals do you have a week? Um, wow. <laughs> um, well, because of COVID, everything's a little bit different now. Um, so a week, I would say it's like smashed. There's a lot. Um, maybe like four or five a week and we would have more, but we're actually really low, um, volume mortuary, meaning, um, we have like less bodies come through and we have less staff. So there's only three of us that work there right now. So we're doing everything. So it's, it's a lot for us. Um, 
I want to talk about your emotional, your emotions as you work. I'm sure you see kids. I'm sure you see young adults. How do you, you as a person process um, massive loss? And then in addition to that, how do you deal with family members that are just distraught? Yeah. So I personally just try and take it case by case. Um, I try not to fixate on, you know, each person. Um, cause then you'll just get lost, you know? Um, cause like, as you said, I do see a lot of children, um, young adults, um, you know, and it can be either a very tragic death or maybe it was more of like an anticipated death, like cancer, but they're, they're all sad. They're all hard. Um, and it, it almost makes it harder when you talk to the family because you're, you're kind of getting to know that person that you're working on. Like, oh, they used to love this color and they did this. And it's almost like you you know them in a way. And it makes it harder sometimes. Um, so I personally just try to do my best to give the family the closure that they need. So I feel that we both kind of just can have like a little bit of that emotional release, if that makes sense. Um, Cause it can just be very difficult and just kind of build inside. You, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to like keep it too, too much, too close to the heart. You have to kind of just realize this person's gone and help them and the family as best as you can. I, uh, when my mom passed away, we saw her body right before she was cremated and it was, up there with worst experience of my life, but also beautiful in a way. And that was because her death, I think you could say was sort of kind of a perfect death. It was too soon in my opinion, but it was sort of a nice calm way to go. She passed peacefully in her sleep um, from cancer. So we all anticipated it, but I couldn't even walk. I was just I was so emotional. And I remember specifically the person um, who was working at the funeral home um, was really nice. And I remember thinking, God, she has a hard job <laughs> because here I am. And I, I have like big emotions. I can laugh really loud and I can cry really big. And I'm just, you know, one of those kind of people. But I mean, what do you say to somebody who just like lost a really, what do you say to somebody who just lost their kid in a tragic accident? How do you, how do you walk away from that? And how does that work? I mean, well, firstly, I'm so sorry you oh, know, for your you. loss. And thank you for sharing that. I know people don't like to talk about, you know, their losses and things like that. So it's difficult. Um, how, I mean, there's nothing perfect you can say, you know, there's nothing that's going to make it okay. So what I just try to do is I just try to listen because that's really what people need. They need somebody to, to listen, to just kind of be there in that moment with them in their grief. Because nothing I say is going to change anything. So I'll just listen and, you know, I don't say, you know, sorry. I don't say I wish they were here. You know, I don't give like fake condolences. I just, I listen and I say, you know, I can't even imagine what you're going through because I can't. It's it's not my place to to make it about me or say anything, you know, that'll 
I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I just, I don't try to, to make anything better in a way. I just say, I understand and I'm here to take care of you and your family and the person who's passed to the best of my ability. And I hope that brings you peace. That's all I really try to say. I think it's <laughs> perfect. And I, I've talked about this with like my brother and sister a lot before is that we I think collectively got always frustrated when people gave us like false sense of hope when our mom got a terminal diagnosis, like, and it never came from a bad place. It was just people wanting to be optimistic in a dark situation, which I think is human nature for a lot of people. But I was annoyed by it. I didn't want anybody to be like, you know, she's going to get better or I wish they were here. Something about that took away from the actual emotion I was feeling, which was just grief. And, and anyway, it's interesting that you who work in this industry, would you said death care and see dead bodies all day long. Um, I, I value your opinion on how you talk to people, if that made sense on my end, because I don't like false hope. I like honesty and vulnerability. And I'm, I, but I know that people don't really never know what to say. You know, there's yeah. nothing you can ever say. Just like, like you said, um, what is the number one cause of death that you see? You know, that's hard because it used to be one thing, but now because of COVID it's, it's like a lot of COVID. <laughs> okay. um, so, I mean, I would say maybe like before COVID it was like heart disease, okay. um, like artery disease. And then like cancer was a, a top one. Um, and then now it's, it's COVID. So though that's kind of what it was a lot of. And now because of COVID, we're seeing a lot of um, suicide, unfortunately. Um, I think people feel very, you know, strained, maybe financially and things like that. So I would say that's what it is now. It's kind of shifted a little bit. Yeah, I've heard that, unfortunately, yeah. that suicide rates have gone up quite a bit with COVID. And I know they were on the rise anyway with social media and just pressure that young kids have to live some sort of life that's different from their real one, which is awful. Um, what is the embalming process like? What is What do you use? What do you do? And how, how does that work? Um, so I'll keep it PG. <laughs> okay. You don't have to. <laughs> So the embalming process, um, essentially why we even embalm, I'll start there because people always ask like, do I need it? Um, that depends if the person is going to be out of refrigeration for a long period of time. So maybe a few hours and lots of people are going to come see them. We recommend embalming. And, um, that's because embalming is a temporary preservation of the body and it's a disinfectant. So if they die of something like COVID, we also maybe recommend um, embalming as well because it'll disinfect um, the body. So we use formaldehyde, um, pretty intense, <laughs> um, and we'll raise a major artery. So maybe the carotid or the femoral, and we will place that um, chemical into that artery. And the major arteries, we do that because it kind of is mimicking the um, circulatory system. So it'll, it's supposed to, you know, go all the way to the feet, come back up, go through the head, things like that. It's supposed to, you know, go to the hands. Um, that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to, you know, preserve all parts of the body. Um, it is in fact at the same time, um, we use, um, dyes within those chemicals so that they have a natural pinky undertone, 
um, depending on their complexion. So maybe like a red undertone, a pink undertone, yellow undertone. Um, and then we'll also drain from a vein because you don't want any blood to be in their body because that actually will um, contribute to decomposition. You don't want them to decompose. You want to prevent that. So you want to get any bacteria that's in the blood or anything like that out of the body. Um, and then we'll also, after you know we're done injecting, we'll place a um, trocar into the stomach and kind of drain any extra fluid um, out of the body. You, want, you just want them to be dry and you want them to be preserved. Um, yeah, that's that's essentially the embalming process. We we wash them obviously. I give them a bath. I wash their hair. I comb their hair. If it's a man, you know, I'll do their beard. I comb their beard, and you know, that's that's nice because I feel like pe people have this idea when you die that you're pretty because the movies make you, you know, these people look so good. Oh wow, when you die, you just kind of kind of die and no you don't no, I said, no so you know we bathe them we wash them we we just kind of make them look peaceful as much as you possibly can um so that's the embalming process for the most part were you scared shitless the first time you did it um, I will say yes. And that's because I did it in mortuary school. So you go to school to be an embalmer. Um, that's a state law. And cause you don't know what to expect. Like you don't know all the tools you're using. It's almost like a surgery without the high pressure, you know, the high stakes, because if you break an artery or if you break a vein, like you, you kind of messed up. You got to start over. <laughs> but you have to start over, you know? You're not going to kill them, but you kind of messed up the process. So, so yes, it's without the high stakes, which is good. But it's, yeah, I was. I was like, I don't know what to expect. It's, it's a lot. It, it's a lot of sights. It's a lot of smells. It's a lot of emotion. It's just very overwhelming. Like the first, I would say like 10 times, I was like, wow, is this really what I want to do? This is a lot. But the finishing product of how the person looks and the family saying, wow, I'm so happy. I got to see them looking like remotely healthy or something like that. It, it helps relieve a little bit of that like stress in my mind, if that makes sense. Right. Oh, so many thoughts running through my mind and I have so many questions and I don't even know which ones to ask next, but I'm curious as like, have the trends in funerals changed? Are there more cremations? Are there more life celebrations? Are people still wearing black? I know you wear pink and I love that. Pink's my favorite color too. So I'm curious if people are asking for different things, like what are the current death trends yeah. <laughs> or burial trends, if that's the right way to even yeah. ask it. Um, so I would say that cremation has typically been seen as being on the rise. Um, I believe right now it's above 50%. It's maybe like 65% um, cremation in the United States. Some states are even more than that, which is like, wow. Um, but because of COVID, I've kind of seen a transition because people aren't able to see their loved one in the hospital, mm. um, they'll opt for a viewing and then cremation. Um, so, you know, we'll do like a full traditional, which would be, you know, either going to a church, having an open casket, seeing the body, seeing the goodbyes, and then cremation. Um, that's kind of the trend that I'm seeing um, change a little bit. 
which is interesting. Um, and then, yes, uh, people kind of wear black, but actually I've seen more people will wear um, the deceased favorite color, which I love. So like white, I just did a service, everybody wore white. And that was kind of cool. Um, I've seen the people wear all Hawaiian shirts, which I loved. Um, yeah, like making, you know, celebration of life, their life, which I think is what it should be. And I think the United States is a little behind on that. I know other countries, they care for their own dead and they, they view it as a celebration of that person's life. Whereas here we see it as like the end and we should really see it like, no, this person lived a great life. We should celebrate that, you know, favorite colors, favorite flowers, favorite foods. Um, yeah, celebrate that person, what they did. And we are seeing that more and more, which I appreciate. I think it, it's, it's special. I'm just over here nodding my head because I agree with what um, I mean. I, I love the idea of a life celebration. That's what we did for my mom. And it was what she wanted. She had time to tell us very clearly what she wanted and we were able to honor her wishes. And it wasn't about being in black and crying every five seconds. She wanted, she had a playlist. She said, you better play my favorite songs. You better dance. You better laugh. I want bright colors. I don't want any black. And, uh, and we, we, I mean, of course there was some sadness, but there was so much celebrating. And in, in our case, it was beautiful. It was a wonderful, beautiful, best way to have a send off. Um, and I, yeah, I, I'm so happy that we did that. And I, I hope more people do that. I, I hope that becomes the trend. I certainly know when I die, I want people to have a big party. I basically want to do exactly what my mom did too. So you've got that on camera in case I go a little earlier than expected that I want a big, big party, lots of pink. And I like Jasmine and lilies. <laughs> so you talk about death. It's part of your job. Do you feel like it's you're desensitized? I mean, for me, I guess I'll just say, I think the more I talk about death, the more comfortable I am with it. And you mentioned in this country, we're a little bit behind on life celebrations. And I agree with you. Um, I wish it wasn't this big, scary thing that was taboo that nobody wanted to talk about. I think it's a lot easier to cope with if we talk about it more. And I wish we did. And I don't know why. And I wish we had more life celebrations. But do you how do you how do you feel about death? Um, so as you said, the more you talk about it, the more comfortable you get. And, um, I feel that people don't want to talk about it because like you said, it's scary. It's like a looming thing over their head and they don't understand it. So there's not a lot of death education. I know it sounds weird, but in the United States, um, people really just don't know. They don't know that they have rights. They have, there's laws protecting them, um, and that they can do a lot more than they think they can. Um, with, you know, life celebrations, they can even have a funeral at their own home. They can, we can bring the body to them. They can have full, you know, party if they want. Um, so my view on death really is that it's going to happen. You know, everybody's going to pass. Every single person's going to experience grief. So I think it's odd that people don't talk about it. Um, and you know, I don't want to say I'm okay with it, but I know it's going to happen. And, you know, I've planned it in my head, you know, if I were to go early, this is what I would like. If I were to go later, this is what I would like. And I think just planning for it, thinking about it, talking about it, it kind of just takes away the fear. You know, I'm not scared, you know, whatever were to happen, if it were to be an accident or natural, I'd be like, okay, you know, that was my time. It's okay. 
Um, and I just hope, you know, for my family that they have peace in knowing that I was okay <laughs> and that I planned for them. Cause that's another thing. People don't realize that you can, you can prepay, you can pre-plan, you can say things out loud. I'd like lilies, I'd like pink. And that'll even give them that little bit of peace, you know? So I talk about it and I say, you know, I'd like to be buried. I'd like pink casket. I'd like, you know, silly things like that. Um, and just think maybe hopefully if I pass before them, that it'll give them a little bit of comfort. What did your family think of your uh, career choice? Um, I feel like my parents personally weren't surprised. They're like, yes, like that fits. <laughs> um, you've just been a unique child. Um, my extended family was maybe a little like, that's weird. Um, but again, people really don't know what I do. So when I tell them, I deal with the living a lot, like the family. It's not just me in black in the back in a dark room embalming people. Um, it's very much, you know, um, the living, high emotions, um, things like that. I think they were like, oh, okay. Like, oh, all right, that fits, I guess. Because I, I mean, I'm pretty personable. I like to think I, I like to talk to people. <laughs> I'm talkative. I'm a, kind of bubbly, kind of like, quirky so totally <laughs> so um yeah I don't know I think they were they warmed up to it they're like yeah that makes sense like yeah I get it now <laughs> you definitely don't fit the quote-unquote stereotypical mortician vibe I don't mm -hmm. you're blonde you're wearing pink you're you are talkative like you said I like it though because I don't like you know stereotypes um what do you think some common misconceptions are about morticians oh so many <laughs> I well, bet. so first like you said like i'm blonde i wear pink i'm bubbly that me being a woman in death care is already like weird for people like nursing is heavily female dominated right so you think you know nurses okay you don't think male when you think mortician you think old dark looking like white men like traditionally that's what you think of like all those movies have portrayed them as being that so when i walk into a room to meet with family or to direct a funeral i'm always not always i would say but a lot of time dismissed as the secretary or the assistant or oh how can you be this person because i don't fit in their mind that traditional idea um you also and, look very young Yes. Oh God. Yes. People also are like, are you old enough to, <laughs> to do this? And I'm like, yes, I promise you I am. Um, yeah, that's another thing. I get that a lot. Like, oh, you're so young. Um, why would you want to do such a dark job? I get like the same comments over and over again. Um, oh, are you sure you can pick that up? Like carry this like caskets and things like that. Oh, are you sure, you know, all, every single day, honestly, um, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. There's a lot of um, sexism in this industry that I did not know about before entering the industry um, because it's not heavily female dominated. But when I went to mortuary school, 90% um, of my class was female. So it's making that transition. Um, we're seeing it becoming more of like the nursing where 
it was originally, you know, male nurses, and then now it's heavily female dominated. And we're now seeing that slowly become death care, um, which is good because I think um, that, you know, women have that special, like sensitive touch. We're detail oriented. Um, we're able to kind of like give more peace sometimes than men. Not always. I mean, of course, you know, men are great, but <laughs> like, it's just, you know, people will say these things to me. Oh, you're so young. Oh, you're female, all this. But then they're, they're happy that I was the one that actually met with them, did their funeral. And they're like, wow, you were so great. You gave me what I needed. So yeah. I, it's just, it's an interesting thing, you know, it's, um, but that's a big misconception that when, you know, I walk into the room or some of my female colleagues walk into a room that, Oh, okay. When's the funeral director going to get here? Oh, it's me. I'm, I'm the funeral director. It's me. (laughs) How does being a mortician affect your personal life? Do you said you have a husband? You said, yeah, I married. Um, he is not in the industry. (laughs) I get that question a lot. Um, he is a cybersecurity engineer. So that's like completely like (laughs) the other side of like what I do. Um, When I met my husband, I was actually starting the process of going to mortuary school and kind of like starting my career. So I just told him, you know, very straightforward because I was dating and people were like, nope, goodbye. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was like, nope, that's super weird. No, thank you. Um, So I just told him I was very honest first date. I'm like, look, this is what I want to do. These are my goals. It's my five year plan. This is what I want. And he's like, amazing. Awesome. I love that for you. And I was like, he's the one. (laughs) So yes, um, it had previously affected, you know, like dating things. I would tell people, um, oh, this is what I'm going to school for. It's what I'm doing. And they would just stop talking to me, ghost me completely, (laughs) would just not ever talk to me again, which is fine. That's, you know, that's you. That's okay. Um, And, you know, sometimes I find that making friends as well uh, can be difficult because, I am kind of young um, and people are either just starting out in their own careers or things like that. And they just think what I do is very weird. You know, they don't, they don't understand and they don't want to understand. Some people won't even get to know me, which is again, fine. That's completely up to them. Um, But even my day to day, like general interactions, I've had like men, I'm going to give you a tip. If you ever want a guy to just get, you know, go away, I'll tell you right now. I was at a gas station. I was pumping gas and I drive a pink car, by the way, in case anybody wants to know. So they, you know, he came up, he's like, oh, like nice pink car. Like, that's cute. Like, did you just get off work? Cause I wear, you know, I don't wear a suit suit, but I wear, you know, work clothes. And I was like, yeah, you know, I just got off work. He's like, oh, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I'm a mortician. And he like physically like steps, like three steps back. He's like, oh, he's like, okay, have a good day. <laughs> he like ran away. And I was like, awesome. Cool. I love, it. I love it. You hear that ladies when you want to repel someone. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Want I wouldn't want to mess with a mortician though. I mean, that's kind of like the last person you want to mess with in my opinion. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. But I was like, okay, like goodbye. So Thanks, that's kind of like my personal. I'm going to remember that one. I'm going to remember that one. I'm telling that, me friends that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are you noticing any like particular sort of funeral or, or life celebration trends? Is there a popular poem people uh, recite anything specific that you can think of that's sort of popular? Um, wow. I mean, honestly, some of these funerals, 
but feel the same almost like it's repetitive. They, there's like, you know, the same songs, like, I think it's like on the arms of angels or thing, you know, things like that. The same songs, amazing grace is always played. Usually um, things like that um, for song wise poems. It's usually like verses, Bible verses, the same verses. Of course I can't think of them right now, but it's usually the same. Like I hear them over and over, um, which is fine. Cause I think those things bring people comfort. Um, but yeah, there's definitely similarities. Um, but I, again, like we talked about the things that are unique are when people make it their own, when they don't just pull from like a list. Cause we, we have lists at funeral homes, you know, Oh, here you can choose from this. If this helps you. And it's all generic, you know, verses and poems and, you know, the rainbow poem that talks about, you know, going to the rainbow and things like that. And does taking you away. And, but that's not, you know, maybe that wasn't that person, you know, make it, make it unique to them, but there definitely is always a little bit of similarity for sure. What do you want people to know about you and your line of work? And if you even want to elaborate more, well, I'll ask the next part in a second, but let's go back. What do you want people to know about you and your line of work? I want people to know um, me and my line of work is that we we're not out for money. I feel like that's another misconception as well is that, Oh, the death industry, they want to take a bunch of money. I don't make commission. I don't want to sell you things you don't need. It has nothing to do with money. And a lot of people in the industry feel the same way. I don't know where that misconception came from exactly. Um, I know funerals can be expensive, um, but so are weddings, you know, because it is a service. So unfortunately, there are some, you know, things you have to pay for. But I want people to know that I do care. I really do. And I try and make, you know, each encounter I have, they're all unique. So, I'm, you know, it's special. That person to them is special. So I'll make it special to me. Um, so I want them to know and I want everybody to know that um, you don't have to stay at a funeral home that you don't like. Say you meet with somebody you can ask for somebody else or go somewhere else. And people don't realize that you, you don't have to pay for anything or do anything you don't want. You have rights. There's laws. You can go anywhere else. And people, it's, it's a business, unfortunately, like anything else, but it's also, if you're going to pay for something and you want, you know, somebody who cares, go, go find that person, do a little research. I want people to know that you can research things and, you know, find that person who cares because they're out there. there. There's lots of people like me, you know, who care, who want to help you, who want to give you, you know, what you need at that time. What do you think some good advice is for somebody who might be um, dying themselves and hear this, or for somebody who might have a loved one who's terminally ill to do, to prepare for death? Like what, mm -hmm. how do you, how would you suggest somebody even brings up, like, what are the, the, what are some bullet points, I guess, to prepare for death? If you, um, yeah, if your parents are sick or you are sick, like, what are some important things you should think about? Um, so important things I would say that will need to happen after the person's passed that lots of people do not think about is, um, like insurance or, you know, paying things out or closing accounts, things like that. Um, so if somebody's terminal, it, it's, it's not easy emotionally at all, but you have a little bit more time in a way 
to plan. So you can you can go in, you can prepay for things, you can plan things out so you're not hit financially, you know, all at all at once. Um, because you know you don't want emotional stress on top of financial stress on top of you know debt on top you know you want things to be a little bit more streamlined. Um, you can even like pre-fill out the paperwork for the death certificate. You know you can get things ready so that when the time comes you can just grieve. You don't have to deal with all of the paperwork because people do not realize that there's legal paperwork they have to sign, and a specific person has to sign it. The legal person next of kin. And, you know, that that can be upsetting to them because they don't want to deal with that. They want to just be grieving. So bullet point, you know, maybe work on a financial plan, work on um, maybe what, you know, that person wants, ask them, would you like to be buried? Would you like to be cremated? Would you like natural burial? What would you like? You know, bullet point all these things, talk through it. And then that way, the process to grief is a little bit more streamlined. You can just be with that person and not have to think about, actually planning the funeral or anything like that. It's already done for you. Real quick, last question. What are your thoughts on the afterlife? I'm just curious because you are surrounded by so much death. Do you have a specific thought in your heart and mind, body and soul about where people go? Oh, that's a hard one. You know? I know. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not really religious, I would say. I do think there is an afterlife. I don't necessarily know if it's like a heaven-hell type situation, but I do kind of think that maybe the soul sticks around for a little bit. And I don't mean like ghosts are creepy or anything like that, or people talk to me or haunt, but maybe, you know, that person is still there a little bit, a piece of them. So... I don't know. It's just, it's one of those weird things like, you know, cause when I'm like preparing somebody else, sometimes I'll talk to them like, Oh, like you look good or <laughs> whatnot. And you know, I feel like maybe they can hear me sometimes just a little bit cause they're, they're somewhere. So I do think there's an afterlife. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where it is. I don't know what it's like. I hope it's nice, but I, nice too. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I do think uh, they, they go somewhere for sure. Awesome. Savannah, thank you so much. I'm so happy we worked out our technical kinks and we got to chatting because I think you offered such a unique perspective on death and I appreciate it so much. And I, again, I think the more I talk about it personally, selfishly, the easier it is to um, not fear it. Enjoy the rest of your day. Take yeah. care of business. <laughs> thank you so much. This was fun. Yeah. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay, bye, thank you. Bye.